because a lot of times they would come in with the I'm I was fired I was let go I lost my job mm. I need anything I something that would pay the bills and I would often ask them well what are you looking for and they would say anything right um, <laughs> and then when they would say well I'm looking for this and I would ask them why are you looking for that and a lot of times their answer is like because that's what I've always done yeah and you know you follow with the did you like doing that and they're like mm-hmm. not really but that's what I'm good at yeah that's but, it's what differentiates, you know, those employees who go to work and they wake up with with purpose mm-hmm. than with those who just wake up for a paycheck and they're like, oh, life is supposed to suck. You know, the yeah. work is supposed to be awful. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a big difference in, in just finding that happiness and that, that value that you get from work. Have you enjoyed listening to the Incredible podcast? Are you looking for a way to support it? Or maybe you just want some swag? Check out the Incredible Paul store today. We have shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, hats, stickers, and so much more. Go to incredipaul.org, I N C R E D I Paul.org, and click on the store link. Or go to the link in my socials bio and click on the Incredible Paul shop. Looking forward to seeing your Incredible Paul look. Your professional development is one of the keys to your career success. When you combine your desire to grow with actionable steps, your journey to success becomes an incredible reality. Welcome to the Incredipal Podcast. And now, sharing his expertise, experience, and excellence with the world, here's your host, Paul Ferranbi. Welcome to the Incredible Paul podcast, where we learn to become the best versions of ourselves by learning from each other. I have the honor of having Eric with me, who is an engineer turned career coach that focuses on family and overcoming fears. That's a little bit about him, but Eric, how about you introduce yourself the way you would do it? Yeah, of course. Thank you very much for having me here. First off, it's, it's great yeah. to be here. The honor is mine. Uh, but yeah, you That's you got it. Just you know that the intro is perfect. I I have a big passion for family, um, and also I noticed uh, as the transition from engineer to career coach that fear was always a big um, just a roadblock, basically, mm. right? It just had me slow down, had me do things cautiously, slowly, and uh, I decided to you know take some steps, overcome many fears, and ultimately come to a point where I could lead in any way I wanted um, because the fear was just, it, it was no longer stopping. It might've been there, but it was no longer the obstacle that it once was. So yeah, became a coach, help people overcome those fears as well, particularly through preparation. And um, that's, you know, that's about the, the intro. I like it. I like it a lot. You were breaking up a little bit. I don't know if it's in my connection. It's like thunderstorming outside. So I don't know if it's my connection or your connection. But okay. well, got the, got most of it. But All right. yeah, but no, that, that's really cool. Yeah, fear is definitely something that can be limiting at times. And so how did you even go about, because um, what you kind of said is that you still had the fear, but you kind of contained it. So how did you even go about doing that? No, that's that's a good question. So at, at first, um, the first fear that I always had was the fear of losing my job. And that was uh, at the root of things that allowed that that ultimately hurt my family, right? Because mm-hmm. with many, especially sole providers, mm-hmm. you have this fear of if I lose my job, 
how am I going to provide for them? Mm-hmm. And so that caused uh, a conundrum because you want to not only provide for your family, but you want to be there for them as well. You want to take care of them, you know, as your kids are growing, as your family mm-hmm. faces in, in struggles that they inevitably, inevitably will, um, you need to be there for them. But sometimes because of that fear, what happened to me was I would put work first mm-hmm. and I would put family second. Even though the very reason I'm working is for family. So that fear of losing your job, that fear of hearing the words you're fired or you're being let go or whatever it is, had me just work more than I needed to, spend more time, think about work at home. And um, and if there were any conflicts added between you know family and work, usually work would win, which, which is something that happens to most people, I think. Mm-hmm. Um but it came to a point where uh, some things got you know, rough and I was just like, well, I have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And I chose family. It, it put me at odds with work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I just did not like that I was in that position. And mm-hmm. so the next time around, I started to prepare, um, particularly with my time and my finances, mm-hmm. to a point where I could cut myself off from my paycheck. And the moment I was no longer afraid because I had prepared of hearing the words you're fired, I could be myself. I could set up boundaries. I could say no. I could take on challenges that I was ready for. I could control my career, say this is my next step, not where my manager wants to take me, but where I want to go. And um, and it just, life became much more happy, sweeter. I felt like I was in control. And uh, once I had that, I was like, yeah, I mean, some things were scary, like leaving a job and becoming your own boss try to create yeah. something for yourself yeah scary but it was like it's it's just part of life now so uh yeah it, it became it became something that i enjoy now facing fears yeah no that that's really powerful i like how, how you walk through the the preparation that you you took in order to to step out and face your fear so I know you, you've been talking about family, like tell us a little bit more about your family. And uh, quick, before you do that, for those of you who are listening to podcasts, definitely go and watch the podcast. Eric has a fantastic tie on and you're not seeing it right now. I love the tie, but go ahead. Tell, <laughs> well, tell us you. about uh, your, your family. Yeah. So I, my family consists of now four people. So it's me, my wife, and two kids. I have uh, my oldest one is uh, Emma. She's almost eight years old, and my youngest is Ben, and he is almost one. So, oh wow! If I fall asleep in the podcast, it's because I haven't slept for a while. So, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, it's it's like good. They're 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 amazing. You know, love the family. Yeah. Uh, that's that's amazing. So, with that, how do you balance the, the what you do with your family? So I know, I know you mentioned you've been doing stuff with the coaching like how how do you balance all that because I know some of that stuff can get overwhelming or just trying to to do all this because you are your own boss you have to make sure things get done are you wondering what's next has everything you tried failed or maybe you just feel stuck then coaching might be right for you the coaching relationship is a relationship totally centered on you if you're tired of running on the hamster wheel of life and want to start to see results, reach out to Incredipal for help. So what are you waiting for? Go to incredipal.org slash coaching, I-N-C-R-E-D-I-P-A-U-L dot org slash coaching or at I am Incredipal on all my socials. 
or you can click the link in the bio for your free coaching session. I want to make sure you become the most incredible version of yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's an excellent question. So you balance it with your wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very fair. simple to say. Um, but what I what I learned, especially with with family, is that if I go at it myself, you know, but just like I, I need to work, I need to do more, I have to spend 60 hours a week doing this, I'm abandoning my family. And um, and a lot of times my wife, sometimes she might understand, sometimes she might not, but when she doesn't, I can work 60 hours and output 30 hours worth because I'm at odds at home, right? Yeah. So I found that if I can find alignment, and that's something leaders do, right? If you find alignment with your team, mm -hmm. if you understand each other, mm -hmm. that's the piece where you start to not only counsel together, but also work together as well. So a lot of times I would go to my wife and we sit down and discuss our finances as a partnership. Mm -hmm. And we're like, this is what we need. And, and I would say, hey, you know, maybe I need this more time this week. Mm -hmm. Does that conflict with anything for you? Um, and she would tell me yes, no, when she wants to have a vacation, when she needs a break. Mm -hmm. And so having that mutual like partnership, like that true partnership yeah. allowed me to flow better because um, even if we made mistakes, even if our plans didn't go as we expected, mm -hmm. we did it together. And and, and that was a, a huge, you know, just safety, peace of mind that it gave yeah. me because I was like, hey, I have a partner and we made the decisions together. If if this fails, you know, we're in it together. We don't finger point. We don't, you know, yeah. uh, shift the blame. It's we did it together. We understood yeah. as much as we can. And and the balance comes that way. It shifts, right? Sometimes there's more work. Sometimes there's more family, but we do it together. No, I, I really like that idea that what you talked about with partnership with your wife. I think a lot of times there's the idea that we don't communicate effectively with our partners or our spouses about things. So we just assume things. We all know what happens when you assume things. They don't, they don't go well. So <laughs> I really like how you, you guys sit down together and you talk about how, how things are going and even like the time management part of it. Like if you need more time this week, if she can take something, then there's a give and take. I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, I've noticed that we we both speak English, but we don't speak the same English. I don't know if you, you can relate, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, for example, um, in the past, we had one of the first things we had to define was what does success look like for both of us, right? Mm -hmm. For me at work was success means I spend time with you guys after we have a lot of money and we have we're very stable financially. So um, we, we have very similar ideas. We just had different methods to get there. Yeah. And, and that would often put us at odds. So all we have to do is basically go back to like, are we still striving for the same thing? If so, let's find a way to work together. So yeah, just being able to define those key points that, like you said, we assume the other person understand, it can make all the difference. Yeah, well, that's, that's so true. That's so true. I like, because what, you, what you're kind of mentioning reminds me of like uh, what you mentioned earlier with, with leadership and having a clear vision of where you're trying to go and making sure that's aligned. So I'm, I'm curious for, for your company, for what you're doing, do you have like a, a vision or mission kind of written out of what you're trying to accomplish? That is an excellent question. So 
I, I had to shift things a little bit. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I first started, I wanted to create a program that would allow people to overcome their fear, mm -hmm. particularly through preparation. I called it the fearless career. Um, after investigating more, going through like a beta program and having um, about a dozen people go through it, that's when I realized this actually takes a lot more time. So I had to go back with my wife, reassess a few things. Okay. And I was thinking, am I willing to be married to this now, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where we had to kind of step back and turn it into a course. Mm -hmm. So the vision was able, was was changed. But ultimately, my, my goal with that course, with that program, whatever you might want to call it, mm -hmm. is I want people to be proactive and take charge of their careers because I have been helping so many people now find work yeah. that a lot of times they they wait till the last minute till they're laid off mm -hmm. they're you know they're yeah. downsized they're fired or whatever it might be and then they're frantic they're panicking and that's the worst state to go into a job hunt yeah. so but if you're prepared if you know what your finances are if you have networked if you know your next step you have your resume ready all these things you you know somebody firing you is, it could be the best thing that happened to you you're like great now i'm next i'm ready for my next opportunity and yeah. and there's a lack of fear there's more confidence and it was it's just that's what i i saw i wanted for people um and so that's that's kind of my 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 vision i wanted to give to others what i learned without them having to struggle as i did that's that's so awesome I really commend you for that because I, I feel like in this world we're in, a lot of times we don't see people re going back and helping. Everyone's just trying to build things on their own. But it's whole, this whole idea I talk about, like lifting as you climb, like you're trying to work yeah. yourself up, but you're also lifting others um, to get to where you are as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Whenever I was in a leadership position and I wanted to enforce my will, it did not go well, <laughs> right? <laughs> but when I was, when I had the mentality of like, um, you know, more of that servant leadership style, mm -hmm. that's where people, they, they saw, they saw two things that I noticed, it motivated people. So first thing was your, your devotion to the people, you know, you mm -hmm. care for them, you lift them yeah. up by so doing, they take care of you. Yeah. And I would say the other thing is your, your, uh, what's the word here? Um, your conviction to whatever cause it is that you have. Mm -hmm. If you have a vision and you're committed to it, you're just, you have that conviction. They know that this is not fake mm -hmm. because I think employees can, can discern fairly. It's like, yeah. Hey, he's saying this because he's paid to do that. Yeah. But when you're there yeah. and you really believe it. It's contagious. People want to be by it. Right. Like look at Simon Sinek, for example, I believe like he believes. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to follow this because yeah. he's, he's, he has that conviction. So yeah. Those are two things that I've learned about leadership that really makes others stand out, but they're not easy to get. That's that's the difficult part. So yeah. Yeah, that's so that's so true. You mentioned Simon Sinek, and I really like his book, starting with why. And it looks like you oh, yeah. really you know your why, and that's why you're able to really focus on it and develop it continuously. And even when it what you mentioned that it may look a little different for what you're trying to do when you shifted courses, but you still have your same why and you're just walking towards that. I really like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That why became huge for me, um, especially when I would help people find work because a lot of times they would come in with the, I'm, 
I was fired. I was let go. I lost my job. Mm. I need anything, something that will pay the bills. And I would often ask them, well, what are you looking for? And they would say anything, right? Um, <laughs> and then when they would say, well, I'm looking for this. And I would ask them, why are you looking for that? And a lot of times their answer is like, because that's what I've always done. Yeah. And, you know, you follow with the, did you like doing that? And they were like, mm -hmm. not really, but that's what I'm good at. Yeah, that's but, it's what differentiates, you know, those employees who go to work and they wake up with, with purpose mm -hmm. than with those who just wake up for a paycheck and they're like, oh, life is supposed to suck. You know, the work yeah. is supposed to be awful. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a big difference in, in just finding that happiness and that, that value that you get from work. That's so true. You, you can get fulfillment in your work. And I, and I feel like for whatever reason, maybe it's life or just like what you've learned from other people that we that we often feel like work is supposed to suck and it's like, it doesn't have to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that's good, that's good. So I know you mentioned that you, well, you worked in engineering, you worked in, in leadership. Can you give us some background of like where you work, what you did uh, before you transitioned into doing coaching? Yeah, sure. I'll tell you my story. Um, I, I graduated with uh, a bachelor's in chemical engineering. Awesome. Uh, right well. after that. <laughs> it's it's hard. I, I did it. Because, one of the reasons I did it is because people told me it's the hardest. And I was like, well, let's let's go and do it. You know, how hard can it be? Well, yeah. it, it's hard because the moment I left school, I thought I'm not going back there. <laughs> but I might. I probably will get my MBA and, and other you know, leadership degrees. But yeah. Um, after I, I left that, um, I, I didn't want to go into oil and gas. I just, I, the passion wasn't there, right? My why wasn't there. Mm -hmm. uh, my why was more on the helping people side, particularly healthcare. So I went into medical devices. Awesome. And um, I went to work for a company called Edwards Life Sciences. Yeah, they had a very strong mission of, you know, patients first. That was always the, the North Star of anything that guided our decisions. And I love that about the company. It was, yeah. it was like, you know, you do things the better you would make the right choices and it was very very ethical and i loved it nice. um, i was more on the software quality side of things then um at another point i i went to a different company to try leadership and that's where i thought it's like hey that's that's a path i wanted to follow mm -hmm. so i became the health and safety leader for the company and so i i went through all the osha trainings um epa things like that and oh wow and I was just like, hey, this is a lot to take in. So I, I created their program. Uh, I created, you know, and I did all the trainings and all these things, just managed all of that stuff. And then COVID hit and uh, everything <laughs> went sideways. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and that's that's the part I would say that taught me more about leadership than anything else. Because when, when things get really tough, right? When all of a sudden your work gets flipped upside down, your family life gets flipped upside down because mm -hmm. there was no, no preparation, right? We, 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 at least from, from my age and the people that were in the company, mm -hmm. there was no precedent of there's a pandemic that's going to shut down the country. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we had to learn. And, and at that point, I either had to put myself first or put others first. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I always thought, well, true leaders put others first. Mm -hmm. That's the part where ultimately led me to resign from that position because I could no longer juggle my family, which really, really needed me and putting others first at work because mm. they really needed me as well because of my position. So uh, at that point I resigned and uh, and I went back to, to Edwards. I worked from home. I created this office. Um, I did more like systems engineering at that point. Okay. Um, and um, 
it was honestly, I would say a very, very comfortable job. I had the environment I wanted. My teammates were fantastic. Um, it was just very, very comfortable. And uh, after that, I was like, hey, you know, I, I started preparing so I wouldn't have any more of that fear. Yeah. And that's where I started to coach a few people just on the side. Yeah. And it came, I started to see the, you know, the results from that set coaching for them and, and for me. And I was like, I, I really like that. I want to do that more. So yeah. I decided to take the next step and, and try and make this work. So here I am. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's really cool. I, I know you mentioned that you, you kind of talked about it, that you, there's some preparation you did as you were transitioning from you went to Edwards Life Sciences, you went, you did a leadership role, COVID hit, you went back to Edwards Life Sciences, you were comfortable, but then you got this inkling to do more and help people. And so at what point did you feel comfortable enough to make the jump to do stuff on your own? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great question because not many people know what happened um, in that point. So my plan was to continue to build at night because that's what that's all the coaching that I did all the preparation the courses I created it was all at night between like 10 p.m and 12 p.m or a.m I guess oh wow. because that's that's the time that I was like hey this is my potentially commute time but I'm going to use it to, to build this thing uh, and my plan was originally to make it from that day that time which was like the beginning of 2022 until the end of 2023 I was going to give myself this entire year to build that and then launch. Mm-hmm. What what happened was that I'm I'm a fairly religious person and uh and it came to a point where I think I was talking to a friend who had done this entrepreneurial journey as well yeah. and one thing that he told me is because I asked him it's like hey how how did you learn what would you what would you suggest right? Yeah. And he basically told me I will tell you one thing that stands about all, all other things is when you jump to do this on your own if you rely on god you will get to know him better than anything else in life because by necessity you have to you have to be close yeah. to him and i felt like that's something that i was missing in my life mm-hmm. i you know i grew up believing in god going to church yeah. Yeah. Uh, i read my scriptures right but yeah there was a huge difference in reading that and being raised that way mm-hmm. to all of a sudden being truly converted to it and 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 relying on God in a way that says you take care of this because I can't yes so at that point I decided to jump and I was like if anything I want to get to know you better because I know I'm I'm, I'm missing that in my life yeah so so I made the leap uh, about a year and two or three months before I planned to do it very (laughs) uncomfortable yeah (laughs) a leap of faith I would say and uh and the first two weeks was about panic mode um i was moving through things but i was like i i wish i had more savings i had enough you know to last me a few months so i i wasn't i i had prepared but it was it was was honestly a leap of faith uh, at that point and and i had to you know just get really close to him through prayer fasting scripture study and Mm. and going to a temple and, and things like that and and at that point he just I discovered that because I, we're not turning this into a more of a religious topic, but I discovered that relying on God actually gave me more fearlessness than I had given myself. No, oh, that's awesome. I think that that's important. That's a part of you. And I, I also, I, I say that Jesus is first and I am second is I think that's, that's a huge part of everything I do to make sure that's why everything I do, I say, I try to add value to people because people are valuable. I want to, 
bring the best out of people and however I can do it, whether it's through podcasting and speaking or coaching. So I can definitely relate to what you're saying. And even the fact that God shows up when he, he absolutely need him to show up because it's hard. It's a lot harder to notice God when everything is smooth sailing and like, yeah, I, I talked to God or I read the Bible this morning, but did it really sink in because everything's good? I don't really need anything. But then when you're literally relying on God, like, I need a client, I need some source of income, I don't know where it's coming. God, please help me. I think that's that's a huge difference for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, I don't know how many people will believe this, but I, I ended up seeing miracles in my life where wow. there were times where I was like, I, I have no leads on clients, right? And, and I expected this. People told me it's like you're gonna go through few weeks, perhaps months, where nothing will you know will be there. Oh, and wow. you just have to learn to deal with it. And so I was like, oh, we're not we're not getting anything at this point. I, it was it was really hot for some time, but especially near the holidays, it's like there was nothing for me. And I was just like, how are we gonna do this? So yeah. you know, through that, you know, that taking care of things, um, one day we just received a check on the well, a money order on the um, on the mail for a few hundred dollars, and they just with a note that said, Heavenly Father wanted me wanted me to send this to you. Wow. And I was just like, oh, that was a tender mercy, right? Because I like yeah. I had no idea who it was. He just showed up. Wow. And then uh just clients that I wasn't even aiming for just again showed up. Um wow. and so the money came through very, very unexpected ways that had nothing to do with what I was doing in my own efforts. And so it was just like like I said, you get to know him a lot better when you really yeah. need. Oh, that's really that's really good. It separates the people who say to believe they believe to people who actually believe, and that that definitely builds your faith. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, and he's he's also been my inspiration for most of my leadership things. Right, it's just that servant leadership aspect. It's mm-hmm. it's always been kind of like the example I've tried to follow. Um, and so it, it helps me kind of differentiate what leaders I follow and, and you know, like the things that I apply. Um, but yeah, I think I think the, the best leaders out there are those who are willing to naturally put others first, or like you said, bring them up as you climb. Yes, so that's so true. I don't know how familiar you are with, with John Maxwell or not. Um, I know he does a lot of stuff in leadership and uh, Max, I I do a Maxwell Leadership Certified, so I can teach on some of his stuff and coaching as well. And so he has something that he talks about, but I I think it's funny. You may have heard it from someone else, but he said if if you say that you're a leader and you look back and no one's following you, you're just taking a hike. It's like you're not leading anyone. And so like is that I that whole thing about servant leadership is going to the people, not expecting the people to just follow you because you say, hey, I'm a leader, follow me. Some people are naturally going to do that because some people just, they look at authority and they do it. But most people want to build that relationship with the leader and understand what are you going to do for me and how can I progress and do better? Mm-hmm. yeah yeah no that, that makes sense you know I, I love that you said that if if you look back and there's nobody following you it's like 
you have the title that's 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 about it right <laughs> i love the part where um simon sinek uses this cool definition right of the leader he's like he's the strongest the smartest he gets the the high paycheck he gets all the wealth but it is also expected that when the, the tiger the danger comes he's the first one on the line to protect mm. the rest and i was like wow that is extremely powerful because that's that's what i've, I've seen leaders for example that that i i would gladly follow is leaders that, for example, um, my previous boss, um, he, he's a fantastic guy. Um, I told him months in advance that I did not see a future in my company because I was pursuing something that the company could not offer. Uh, I told him what I was going to do. And instead of giving me more work that was like, well, you have to get this done at least before you leave, he started giving me work that would set me up for success in that next step. Wow. If I wanted to do coaching, he would give me training meetings. He would let me build courses, wow. um, do things like that. And I was like, I still have to do my work, but he gave me the extra stuff was things that would set me up. If at any point I had to, you know, like I, I couldn't make something because of family or sickness or whatever, he made sure that he got that, right? Whether he did wow. it or things were rearranged, it was not of the, you know, finger pointing. It's like, hey, you do it anyways. No, it was like he was there for me. And so he became a friend uh, first, a, a manager second. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, just had a, an amazing relationship with him. I, I, I would say I, I love the guy, you know, I'd do anything for him because the yeah. way he behaved with me and, and the rest of his team, he showed. That's super cool. It sounds like what you're saying, he put you first, he served you. And that's why you would pretty much do anything for him. We were talking about all he's done right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's, it's it's inspiring right it makes you want to become like this person um because uh, be, because of my career coaching experience i hear all sorts of stories from managers and a lot of times they shock me because i'm like wow a manager did that right it was just mm -hmm. it, it's 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 hard but you see the contrast because of that and you're thinking wow there's there's great leaders out there and there are some who just have the title yeah. but but there is one thing that the great leaders always have and that is that their people their actions inspire their people to love them and, and care mm. for them, to follow them. Yes. So that's that's really powerful. I was just I just got reading a book called Humble Leadership. I can't remember the, the thought who the author is, but it really it talks about that stuff as far as a lot of times in people in leadership, they operate at the level one area, which is just transactional, like you do this and you do this. But to really be effective, you have to go to level two and build those relationships. And that doesn't mean that, hey, we're going to hang out outside of work and do things, but it's really understanding what motivates that person. Like what you mentioned, that you you told your boss, this is where I'm trying to go. And he took that and gave you opportunities to develop in those areas. And I don't know if you ever spent time with your boss outside of work, but despite that, like all the stuff that he he took the time enough to understand you so that you could continue to develop. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's, it reminded me of a book. I don't know if you ever read, uh, most likely, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think oh, it's yeah. Yeah. Awesome <laughs> yeah. So um, that book, it, the first time, you know, I started reading through it, it was like, oh, it's, it's basically a book on how to be nice, right? Like, just be yeah. nice. That's, yeah. That's <laughs> but, but some of those were so... So interesting, like you said, like truly get to understand the person. And uh, when I began to apply each one of these principles, I would try to apply it and not move on to the next chapter until I felt like, okay, now I understand what he means by this. Sometimes mm -hmm. you take me weeks, 
there were some chapters that took me months <laughs> because I was just like, I am not a good person. That this is not coming natural to me. <laughs> Especially the uh, the put yourself in their shoes place oh, chapter. That's that tough. one. It took me about two months. Honestly, I was like, that's I tough. like I naturally just go to me. Like I, I can't put myself in their shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, but, but there was one thing that they said, it's like, get to know them, ask about them, you know, put yourself in the backseat. Don't talk about yourself. Just ask about them. Remember their name, remember the details. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and when I began to apply these things, it, you'd be surprised. Like I, I started to get good at remembering people's names, mm -hmm. uh, people that I met just in passing, I would go by and call them by their name mm -hmm. and say, how are you? How is your you know name of your son, for example? Mm -hmm. And then we just cut them off, catch them off guard. They were just like, you remember that you know it's just it's so <laughs> such a small detail but it has such an impact because they think yeah. wow he he took the time and the effort the mental effort to remember me my family and and it just shows that that person cares right i'm not just a number or not just another digit in the team it's like i am somebody who he's looking out for so yes. yeah it's a detail that matter it reminds me of a quote also by john maxwell that says people don't care how much you know so they know how much you care oh, and yeah. so like what you mentioned right there the time it's what you said the things that we think are really little show up big in the long run yeah yeah 100 percent. it's it, it's how relationships are formed right like you, you know your your best friends or things like that because they know the little details they care about it you know mm -hmm. uh, there's there's a difference between the manager who texts you and says hey we need this done to the one that says hey how are you doing how's your workload mm -hmm. and then once you tell them it's like well i could do a bit more like okay would you mind helping us with this mm -hmm. right this is what showed up it's just a huge difference just the, the fact that they ask how are you doing yes uh, it's just you know you, we see it we're like oh it's small but it's it's not it you know we we want to be we want to feel like we we care we matter you know especially to those around us yeah no, that's so true. So I know you talked about the positive, but I'm sure you have some stories about the negative, even if it's just little things, whether it's with you or with clients that you've heard. Uh, anything come to mind as far as like, like, how did this person become a leader by doing things like this? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll share some of mine because I, you know, there's respect out of others. Yeah. Um, I, I, I went to, to leadership positions, um, but in the past, I, I remember one particular thing that I, I, I look back and I'm like, I still cringe about it. Mm. Oh, <laughs> okay. Wow. And, um, and it was basically a lack of accountability on my part. Mm -hmm. um, it was a time where my manager asked me to do certain things and, and I forgot completely to do one thing. Um, but during the meetings, I think I mentioned that in passing, like, oh, this is not done yet, but you know. Uh, but we didn't we didn't address it. Anyways, we 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 had a meeting and uh, they were discussing the progress and I and I presented as like yeah it's it's all done right. Mm -hmm. And uh, my manager said oh, what about this thing? And I was in my mind I knew I I failed I I knew it was my fault. But for some reason this was just like the pride in me the lack I don't know what it was the lack of accountability I was yeah. like yeah. Oh, but I told you about this. And I kind of pointed it to her. And I was like, I told you about this, right? And you didn't say anything. <laughs> and looking back, I was like, oh, wow. I, I, I lost the accountability piece there. And, and so she, she, she kind of pointed it back to me, right? I, I think she was trying to be, to be kind in it. But 
I just kind of held my ground to that. It wasn't my fault. And even when we talked afterward, afterwards, she kind of said, it's like, well, you know, there was a lack of accountability and I still wouldn't accept it. And, and so oh, I was wow. like, man, that was, I look back and I'm thinking, man, I made a lot of mistakes there. Um, but it really taught me about accountability because it stuck with me. And that was, that was years ago, but it stuck with me. I was like, I need to take accountability for all my actions, especially as a leader. If I yeah, make yeah. a mistake, I own it. Like yeah, I can't yeah. point the, the finger at anybody else. Um, whether it's a team and even if it was if I think it's their mistake I need to look at myself first mm-hmm. right um there was something I'm the leader I'm the one that holds the responsibility so yeah. look at myself first how can we address it in the future and how how can we fix it now yeah rather than just finger pointing but that was one thing I will say that I look back and I'm like I'm glad I learned <laughs> from that rather than just being like nope it's it's never my fault right yeah, I have some stories of like leaders still they'll, they'll take the credit when things go well and when things go wrong, it's your fault. Like, yep, yep. <laughs> like you just it's a lose lose. You just can't win with that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it, it's true, and and that's one thing that the book of um like Dale Carnegie um has mm-hmm. also taught me. And it's, you know that quote that he shares: "You attract more flies with honey than with vinegar." Yes, I, I noticed. Like even if they know they're wrong they are still not going to admit it you know mm-hmm. uh, and I remember that as an engineer I would bring facts and figures and I'm like this is why it's right but if it was against somebody's belief they will find any way to resist it right and so that's the piece where I had to be more and more understanding more accountable mm-hmm. for my own failures through like you said that humility piece you know like it, it allows people to not see you as a threat but as an actual partner, somebody who will help them. And at that point, they begin to collaborate with you. And and that's so true. You mentioned the humility because, excuse me, a lot of times people think humility is thinking less of yourself, but it's not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. I like that. Thinking of others first. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I think it's it's being open to the idea that you, you don't know everything. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think it, it can be very attractive, especially if you as you grow in your career, as you learn more to say, oh, I've seen it. This is how it plays yeah. out. Right? Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't like it, we cannot predict the future to that degree. And um, especially moving to a new company, I've mm-hmm. noticed that I may have the best resume and experience. I can't just come in and just hear what they've done and put my new system in place. Yeah. You know, that's the humility part, basically saying, I, I don't know that's that's yeah that's what it hurts sometimes and i don't know how you feel about this but i what my thought is that i think it's often harder for engineers because we're always told that we're the experts we know everything and so to to be told that all the time and then go into the situation that you don't know everything you're pushing back at that say like i should know everything and then i think that what creates a lot of conflict as well yeah yeah i think it's it's the, the title engineer. I think it's it's overrated, honestly. <laughs> you know, I, uh, there were there were places where I, I had I was in a team where there was a couple engineers, but most of them were operators, people who you know just basically went to high school. Uh, yeah. If that, and uh, a lot of times they would put the engineers on a pedestal. Now it's it's very 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 tempting to to own the pedestal to be like, yeah, I, I know everything, right? Yeah. But but you don't realize that these people really know a lot because that's their trade. You yeah. know, they might not have get a degree, but they worked in that industry for 10, 15 years and they mm-hmm. know it better than you do. Like yeah. 
they know they have experience the school of experience having taught them a lot more than you can learn in a book so yes yeah i remember this guy um who i was trying to read the blueprints and understand the the flow of things yeah and uh, and i was trying to predict it and the guy is like yeah it's gonna happen here you know and i'm like it doesn't make sense based on what i see and it <laughs> happened exactly as he predicted it and i was like he's like yeah i've been working here for 25 years and i'm like yep you know more <laughs> so you know humble myself and and let the guy go i mean he didn't have an engineer degree or anything but just his time out there doing what he's done gives him so much knowledge that I would be foolish to to neglect it or to say I'm going to do things my way. And uh, yeah. fortunately for me, he was he was the kind of person that was always very nice, but also told you honestly, he's like, hey, this is what's going to happen. I'm, I'm not going to take offense if you don't follow yeah. me, but this is what's going to happen. And uh, yeah, there's amazing people out there, by the way. Yeah, well, that's so true. They have all that knowledge from the day in, day out. And then we just come in like, oh, yeah, we I do this. I wrote the drawing. I wrote the specs on this. Like, this is how it's going to work. They're like, no, it's not. And it was exactly <laughs> how they said it. And that's and the thing is, like what, what you were saying is that there you, you can fall into that rhythm of thinking, you know, everything. But if you're a true leader, you have the humility enough to come back and say, I was wrong this we should have done it this way I you continue to learn as a leader because I think sometimes people think that you're a leader and you know everything and you just do everything and you just kind of stay at that pedestal but it's like no we're constantly learning as leaders we mess up but the best leaders don't let their mistakes be their downfall they learn from their mistakes and keep moving forward yeah I love that that's that's something I had to learn quite a bit also that you know fail forward aspect yeah I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of psychological safety. Oh, um, yeah. Amy Edmondson. Yeah. yeah. At the first time it was introduced to me, I was in a position of leadership and it, it really changed my perspective because I, I kept asking myself, I kept looking at meetings that I would lead, how many people are speaking and how many people are not. Mm -hmm. and, and I noticed that a lot of times I was kind of just taking over the, the, the meeting. I was pushing my agenda mm -hmm. and sometimes people would comment. A lot of times they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And I started to come with high level points, even though I had a plan, but yeah. I would let them create it. And it created more, more discussion. Like people started mm -hmm. to talk more and it was like, Hey, they, this, the plan is better, but not only is it better, they actually want to work on the plan yeah, rather than me telling them what to do. <laughs> yeah. So that psychological safety was, was huge because, mm -hmm. you know, they feel like, Hey, I have a voice and, and he acts on it. Yes. Right, it's it's a very different thing. It, it takes effort, right? Because if they were yes. to say, "Hey, we should do this," and you do the total opposite, they're probably not gonna like that. But <laughs> if you try it, you know, and and they are willing to work, I've noticed that when somebody, even if they were to make a mistake, a lot of times they will own it because it was their idea. Mm -hmm. Right? They will own it. We will resolve it, and then we move forward. We fail, and we fail quickly. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just like just things move rather than stalling in place not figuring out like why is it not working right because maybe people are like i don't want to tell them that i messed up right because it's the, the fear <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so, no i love yeah. that well we're about out of time that really flew by it did, it did is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you want to talk about or yeah anything yeah, I would say to anyone listening, if you don't know what psychological safety is, because I, I keep running into people that don't know about mm -hmm. it, um, figure out, go to YouTube, Google Amy Edmondson, 
uh, psychological safety and uh, you'll notice the impact that it has in your career yeah. but more than that I will say it's had a huge impact in my life because the moment I was able to speak honestly at work and and not carry this mental stress of like, well, this is going to work. This is not going to work. And mm-hmm. they, they don't know what they're doing, right? You have this mental stress. You stop taking that home. And, and then, mm-hmm. you know, if you really embrace the concept, you'll start also building psychological safety in your own home. Where your kids, your wife, your parents, they can talk to you honestly, knowing that first you won't be offended by it. And two, that you're willing to understand them. So it will do wonders for for communication at home and also at work. And it's just, it makes things flow so much better. Um, so that, that would be my, my piece of advice to anyone who doesn't know, go Google that up and, and hopefully you embrace the concept. Yes, definitely. And I'll, I'll find a, a video for Amy Edmondson. I'll link that in the show notes for this podcast as well. And I definitely want to highlight you and all the stuff you're doing. So talk about like where you are on, on social. I know you're linked on LinkedIn. That's how we met on LinkedIn, um, but any other socials or websites or how can people connect with you or anything coming up? Yeah, so LinkedIn is usually the best place. Uh, my website where I have that course is um, eccoaching.org. Um, but yeah, you can find that on LinkedIn. There's a link right there. So uh, LinkedIn is kind of like my go-to. Awesome. So that's really cool. So for everyone listening, if you're only listening, you're not watching, I'll say it again. You should be watching the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Eric, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, learning about how you are transforming people's career, making them have fearless careers, not being afraid of getting fired and just going after what they actually want to do and understanding that work does not have to suck. It can be something that they enjoy and all the stuff you're doing in leadership. It's it's just phenomenal to talk with you about this. Yeah, thank you, Paul. I really appreciate it. You know, if there's anything I can do for you or anyone of your listeners, I'll be, I'll be happy to do so. Just reach out. Well, you heard it. Reach out to Eric. If you are looking into your career, maybe you feel fear, feel that imposter syndrome, that you feel like you don't belong, you don't know what you're doing, definitely reach out to Eric, connect with him. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and keep being incredible. Thank you for listening to the Incredible Paul podcast with Paul Ferranbi. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you here next time and be incredible. Incredible. Incredible.